Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Byron Lazine, and today here in Las Vegas, Nikki Beauchamp is joining me on the podcast. I nailed it. You totally nailed it. Oh my gosh, yes. So Nikki, I've been, this is super cool for me because I have absolutely been following you, at least on Twitter, probably a bunch of social platforms. I feel like forever, I know you were at Swanepoel. I so was, So we've been like yes. at the same places. At, at the, the same si- time. Absolutely. And you know, you're in Connecticut, I'm in New York. We right really there. aren't that far apart. No. But this is the first time that we've actually spoken to each other Face to face. I agree. You have which these, is like, like remarkable. When I you agree. Think about it. You have these social connections. You're like, man, I just know that person. I know that person, but I've never sat down. We, we certainly haven't done a podcast. So this podcast to me is just like really awesome. So thank you for yeah. Taking I'm time. super excited. I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> so before we get into all the stuff I want to ask you about, why don't you just let everybody know who you are, your background story, how you got into real estate, that whole like you know however long you want to take. Your, your origin story, if you will. So I came to real estate from a technology and financial services background, sort of more of a consulting um, arm. And how I got into real estate, I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in Manhattan, despite my lack of New York accent, or so I am told. Apparently, all New Yorkers are supposed to sound every, like the TV shows and movies. <laughs> every and native you New don't, Yorker wants to make sure that I am a native New Yorker. Yeah, to, to the point that my personal cell phone number is a 212 number. Oh. So I'm old school, you know, New York. So anytime people move to New York, my friends would say, or coworkers, you need to talk to Nikki. She was born here. She grew up here. She went to school here. I even went to college. I didn't go away for college. She will tell you where to live, what to do, where to eat. So I would send business to a friend of mine, and she would say, you need to get your real estate license. And I would say, I have no time to do that nonsense. I just don't have the time. And she showed up at a holiday party one year and said, your referrals this year paid for my car. Can you get your license so I can do something other than give you like a gift card? Because, you know, license law is important. You can't, Absolutely. You can't pay referrals to unlicensed people in the United States. So I got my license, and after a couple of years, and I was maybe a little burnt out from my actual job, and I thought, maybe I can try this and give it a chance. And almost 17-plus years later, here I am. And it was like a salary job? so not it, a- was a, it was a salary job, so I've been in the traditional corporate job, salary, benefits, all that nine yards. I have been involved in helping to start companies and having them, selling them off, being acquired, all that stuff, did a little bit of private equity, all sorts of interesting, quirky things. I remember the first dot-com boom and bust, which means I have a lot of stock options that are basically just worthless paper. (laughs) Hey, but you have the options. But I have the options for things that no longer (laughs) exist, which incidentally, some of them, if they had been launched in the next boom, would have would have, would have worked. No, no so question. So it's really about that. fascinating. So in sales, just sales right now, or or other parts of the industry as well. Uh, just sales. I spend a lot of my waking and sometimes not awake time. Sometimes I do have dreams or occasionally nightmares about the volunteer work that I do in the industry. You before we get into that because yeah. you do a ton of volunteer work. Inman Ambassador, like all this kind of stuff. But before we yeah. get into that, I, w- I want to stick here on the real estate sales side just a yes, little bit before, for sure. before we dive into that. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about your thoughts right now, current state, New York City market, um, where it's at right now and where you think it's going here in the short term. Um, I think that the market in New York City has opportunity for buyers. Uh, very specifically, most of the activity that I'm seeing in my sales practice is ranging in that sort of half a million to 1.5 buyer. There's inventory, there's possibility of striking deals. And sometimes there's this weird thing where the sellers are actually willing to negotiate, but they're not adjusting the prices. So you see things sitting, but when you actually go, they feel like, well, I'm not, if I lower my if price, I lower my price, I'm going to some sort of undercut myself, but then the buyers don't want to go because it looks like it's stale. And it's like this really weird stalemate, but thank God for relationships. And when you can call a broker and say, okay, so what's going on, you know, where, how are things going? And then, um, below the $500,000 range, which sounds in the rest of the country, you know, price points are very, very different. But in New York, there are still opportunities for people who want to be sort of first-time home buyers. People are going further out into the boroughs, are going further out into Brooklyn, they're going further out into Queens. I have actually sold a couple of things to buyers up in the Bronx mm -hmm. who are mm -hmm. first-time buyers. And that's actually a really gratifying part of my practice because these are often, you know, they're artists, they're native New Yorkers, they feel priced out, but they're still able to buy a little piece of New York. And then on the very high end, there's too much of the new development inventory out there. And again, that also has, suffers from that same sort of conversation where there are the developers that are being really open about the incentives. They are willing to pay transfer taxes. They're willing to pay you know, years of common charges. And then, there, then there are the developers who aren't actively putting that conversation up there, out there, but the conversations can be had and negotiation deals can be made. We saw last time the market kind of reset that New York came back really, really strong, right? And to your point right now, there's a lot of New York brokers and, and so on that are, oh man, it's harder than it's been say three years ago, right? because of some of the challenges that you just outlined. It's, it's, it's definitely harder. It feels like every transaction just takes that much longer to get to, you know, either A, getting the offer in the, in the first place or agreeing, getting agreed upon terms and price. And then the contracts, that's often where things fall apart a lot. And, um, it's, and it's, it's, it's odd at times because sometimes it's not necessarily about the price and the terms. It can be that something bizarre comes up in the due diligence and there's litigation that wasn't quite, you know, detailed early enough. And there's so many ways for a deal to go off the rails before you get to the contract being signed. And then in New York, we have so much of our housing stock that is co-ops versus condos. So co-ops when you're buying shares, uh, you're buying an apartment, but each apartment, it has a certain number of shares in the building corporation that owns the building. I'm being very sort of general. And then the buyer and the seller come to agreement on price and terms, but then there's a board of directors that yeah. has to approve oh, the transaction. And then you have to disclose all of your financials and get reference letters and this, that, and the other, and be interviewed. And then they can say no. It's like a t tax audit, it's, basically. It's, <laughs> 
I think it's almost worse than yeah. a tax order. Because it's also a personal audit. It's also a personal audit. And at the end of the day, you are hopeful in that you have identified the requirements of the building and they line up with what you can actually present so that the transaction can be approved. But there's still always a chance of it not being approved. Sure. And, and so with, oh, that, is a, that is a podcast fail. That's for me to call clients, but I have canceled that time <laughs> block because we are here at, at Inman Connect uh, 2019 in Las Vegas. All right, so just to wrap up the New York thing, um, do you fear ever, I don't think you probably fear much, right? Because you've, you've been New York native, you said it for your whole life, you've been in this industry a long time, but do you fear that one day you would wake up and maybe the New York City market isn't going to come back. Maybe you're going to wake up one day and New York City isn't the best city in our country. Or do you just intuitively know that all of this new development inventory is going to get soaked up and prices are going to reach a new high, whether it's in three years, five years, two years, or whatever? I think that at the end of the day, um, there is a great deal of stability. And you know, maybe it will take longer for things to come back, but there's also this avenue of, and the desirability, quite honestly, of wanting to own a piece of real estate in New York or wanting to live there that makes it an appealing investment. So a lot of my clients are native New Yorkers. They're people who have moved from other parts of the country. They're people who've moved from other parts of the world. They're people who are from other parts of the world who want to own a piece of New York real estate because maybe their kid is going to go to school there or it just feels like a secure place for them to buy and invest. And I don't think that's going to change. I think some of the dynamics that it's the, they're the economic dynamics, but they're also the social dynamics of what is what's going on in the city. And that's also something that can have an impact as well. And I agree with you. So let's dive into some of the stuff that you do outside of sales. And we're going to link up if you're if you're listening to this on the podcast, go over to YouTube because that's where we always link these articles that we're talking about in the description. So. Uh, we'll link this up. There's a, an article on Inman. Bernice Ross just wrote, I think literally like last week, was it? Or the beginning literally of this just last week. I think it just uh, went live. I actually, when it went live, I was on the plane coming to Inman Connect. Okay. Yeah. And I was on the getting, front page of Inman like two days I, ago. Yeah. Apparently it went out in the newsletter and the headline, there are people that I think everybody should obviously read Inman. It's a great source of news, but there are people who don't always pay attention. And the headline was such that it grabbed people's attention. Then they looked. So I got emails and text messages and Instagram messages. And I'm literally on the plane. Thank God for Wi-Fi, which I had because I'm trying to actually keep some things going back home transaction-wise. So The headline, I don't recall the headline, but it was basically... It, and it was you and uh, somebody I don't Kenya, know. Kenya um, Burrell from Houston Association yes. of Realtors, who yes. you should know. I should know her. I mean, she I was, think, the write-up was quite impressive. I think she um, she gets here today. She wasn't here yesterday. but Maybe you can introduce us. Yes, I will definitely introduce you. So tell me about, so yeah, Kenya, great write-up. You can you can read about, about um, the stuff that she's working on, super into the board. What I, what I do want to comment on Kenya, I don't know her, anything like that. I already love her because she stood up for not only what her local board believed in, 
you know, when they went out and they polled everybody on the NAR dues, mm -hmm. but overwhelmingly the NAR members. And for her to speak out about, it was surprising at NAR that there wasn't the level of support within you know those NAR regulars that she would have expected or anticipated. Right. I thought that was really an important conversation that we need to be having. I know you're not a part of NAR, um, but for those of us that are NAR members, that's an important conversation because too many people do not want to ruffle the feathers like maybe Kenya did, you know, intentionally or not, because they have a, a motive to get somewhere within NAR in the future. And that was very impressive to me. But I think what's interesting about that, and I think particularly in the environment that we are in these days, there is a lot of this idea of how am I being perceived versus sometimes you have to do what you feel is the right thing, whether you feel it or whomever you're representing, because it's the right thing to do. And the numbers backed her up of, it is overwhelmingly the right thing to do. And for that to get voted, I mean, that's a whole week. That's I a whole week. We'll, we'll be about talking that. about this all week. And, you know, now that, you know, you have my cell phone number, not my personal one, because it's not the 212 number. Oh, I didn't get the personal but, um, one. That's it, right. It, um, it's, it's uh, people like to call it the bat phone. Uh, <laughs> someone got a FaceTime from me yesterday on it and didn't answer. And when we were at dinner, we were joking about it. And everybody was like, wait. I said, you know, it's, that's like my personal number. I'm like, you have that? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I didn't answer because I didn't know who it was. <laughs> That's true. I, I do that a lot. I don't answer. I don't, yeah. don't know who it is. All right, but I, I want to get into some of the stuff that you're doing voluntarily. And yes. you are a president-elect. Tell me the organization you're a president-elect for, what that means going into uh, 2020 for you. Yeah, so I am a member of the International Real Estate Federation. And I'm embarrassed and to say, till I read this article, I didn't have any awareness of this federation so it's kind of it's almost like an inside joke that we often say people say that all the time and we say it's the organization that you didn't know existed and then once you hear about it you're like why didn't i know about it and why am i not a part of it um so which is kind of the reaction i had when i first was uh, told about it it is a multidisciplinary international organization for everything that touches real estate. So it's not just residential brokers, it's commercial, it's developers, it's architects, it's wow. wealth managers. Um, and we have, we are in approximately 60 plus countries. There are national and multinational chapters. I think there are like 49 national and multinational chapters. And we- Not to cut you off. Yes. So would you call it the the Pepsi to Coca-Cola, the the Pepsi to NAR? It's well, not not even necessarily because like as an example, NAR is one of our principal members. Okay. So organizations that are our principal NAR members is a include member. yeah. Okay. NAR okay. is a principal member of um, the International Real Estate Federation, also CCIM, okay. BOMA, the Institute for Real Estate Management, the National Appraisal Institute, ARIA. All wow. of these organizations, just and those are just organizations that are U.S. based that so are principal is, members. This is this is big. literally it's, bigger. It's literally bigger than that, and it's not just limited to people who buy help people buy sell real residential estate, residential real estate. Residential real estate. So the opportunity 
for the business opportunities that come about because of this organization are really extraordinary. One of our past, our current world president is um, from Lebanon. He's the youngest world president in the history of the organization. I think he just turned 40. And he is the president of a real estate syndicate in Lebanon. He's also a developer and a broker. Um, one of our other past world presidents is was very involved in bringing NAR to India. Wow. So it's these, these levels of connections that you wouldn't necessarily get in any other organization. And on top of, is, if all of that were not enough, we have NGO status with the UN Economic and Social Cons Council advising Jeez. on global housing policy. And last week in New York, the, the US chapter um, was one of the organizations that hosted and put together an urban thinkers campus that focused on four of the 17 UN sustainable development goals as it pertains to affordable housing. Like. I, now I feel like I'm just sitting with a straight up gangster here in Nikki. Like, <laughs> holy smokes! That just like you just totally blew my mind right there. So, so you, are you going to be the president of the so whole I, thing? The, the U.S. chapter. US so the chapter. U.S. chapter. I'm currently president elect of the U.S. chapter. Um, I was a past president of my local area council, which was all of the Northeast, including Connecticut. All right. Ironically enough, we go from New York all the way to Maine. And then I was elected to the board uh, in 2016. I was reelected last year. And just this last, um, uh, some t uh, earlier this year, I was elected president-elect. So this year I'm president-elect, and then next year I become president. And if that were not enough, when I was in Moscow, which you probably saw the photos on social yes. of, for our World Congress, I was appointed president of the conferences committee for this year. All right. So how's this going to impact your time? What are your roles and responsibilities going to be on a weekly, day-to-day -day basis, whatever? On a day-to-day -day basis, so we have we have a board of directors, we have an executive committee, we have a strategic planning committee, and then we have various committees at the national level that work on different initiatives, whether it's events or marketing and public relations or academic outreach. We have many academic members, including Columbia and Harvard and uh, institutions like that. So from that perspective, and over the last two years, as you saw in the article, I've been very involved with the executive committee and helping yep. in sort of reorganization and streamlining. So that continues, but in this role as president-elect in conjunction with the current president, and she and I are, we like to joke that we're basically one person. So you don't need to find both of us, just find one of us and whatever I would say, she would say. We've basically become... At this point, we say the same thing at the same time. You guys are in tune. We're so in tuned, and you know, we're both brokers in New York City. I live uptown. She lives downtown. People, I start to joke that we should just pick an apartment in the middle and live together. We'd be much more <laughs> efficient, efficient with our time. So that definitely continues, but it's also sort of setting sort of the strategic plan over the next couple of years and sort of guiding the mission and bringing, bringing the organization into more of the forefront of the conversation because I think what happens is that there are a lot of people who are looking for ways to grow their business, whether it's globally or they want to have more of an impact on the world. And this is an organization that can help you to do both of yeah, those things. If ultimately. you want to, like, I'll just be straight up, I want to have a major impact on this industry. Right. Right. So is this an organization that I should be not only 
you know, I'm starting to learn about it through you, obviously, but I should be looking at joining and, and why would somebody join this organization? When I originally joined, I was at a different firm and I was looking for a more efficient way of connecting with other real estate professionals in other countries because I saw you're in New York. I'm that in makes New York. So much sense. I'm in New York, and because of my previous background and my clients, they would be in New York, and then they'd be relocated to Tokyo, and they would want help, and they would ask me, and I would have to try and you know search and cobble the internet for things, and that's kind of how I came upon the organization. And I said, well, this is great. Now I can form you know these relationships to try and grow that avenue of my business. And that's ultimately why a lot of people do join the organization because they want to grow that avenue of their business or they want to sort of uh, start or grow that avenue of the business. Uh, the, the affiliation with the United Nations was always something to me that seemed very far away and distant that not everybody was involved in directly. But over the last couple of years, what's been interesting is learning more about that and also bringing that conversation to different people. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, in being involved in the planning of this Urban Thinkers Campus, I've been able to talk more to the people at UN Habitat. I've been attending meetings of the Civil Society Working Group in New York and learning more about different areas of real estate that I probably didn't think about, but last week within your own city. within within my own city, and last week we had one of our speakers. I was floored. I sat down and I took notes, and I thought to myself, "Wow, I never understood what supportive housing was and what an impact that could make in someone who was maybe formerly homeless not being homeless anymore." And separate from that's a really amazing thing. And I'm glad to know there is a term for it. But I thought to myself, I have clients who are investors and maybe they are also interested in making a different kind of impact. And is this mm -hmm. something that would be interesting to them? So one of the things that I want to do when I go back is take a tour of one of these sort of homes, these facilities, and find out more because maybe that's an opportunity for my clients that right. I can bring that I can bring I mean, how to many them. times do you get the question from an investor? What else can we do differently? Nikki, what other ideas? What do other you what have? other ideas do you have? But also, I think that there is a greater awareness of, you know, the you don't necessarily want to say the sort of fundamental inequalities of the world. But quite frankly, you know, we're the two of us, we're sitting you know, thousands of miles away from home. We have the luxury of being able to come to this conference, be yep. here. You know, we have the luxury of doing these things. And there are people in our own backyards who don't have homes. Yeah. So we live closer to each other than we do to here. So we could have done this podcast. We totally could have like, done this podcast right. anywhere. We're so spoiled. You know, between, we're sitting in a suite and we're doing sitting this in a suite podcast. and doing this podcast. So but, you know, but even still, if we had been doing it, you know, in my office or in your office or somewhere in between, because I do, I'm not even sure. This is, can I get to the Metro, use the Metro North to get to you? Yes, you can. You got to, you got to switch over in uh, New Haven. Cause I'm only like two towns away from New Haven. Right. So you would just switch over to the shoreline. Once you get to New Haven, yeah, so, yeah you so, walk across it. So, yeah, so to totally, this is something that we could very easily do anywhere along yes. that corridor. But you think about, and there's this perception of our industry that it's driven by greed. And I think that fundamentally, 
many of us want, we want to do good things. We want to run businesses and we want to be profitable. Of course, you have but to. But we want to have a greater impact on our world. And what if we find ways to be more philanthropic and make a greater impact on our environment? Instead of waiting till you've made all the money, do it along the along, journey. Along the, along the journey. And I think that there are conversations and what I've learned, especially in the last you know, couple of months, as I've been in the middle of all of this UN stuff with putting together the Urban Thinkers Campus, is that there are conversations, there are things that we are probably already doing that align with these goals and these possibilities, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't know what we don't know. We talk about that with our clients, that we have this responsibility to educate them, but we also have a responsibility to educate ourselves about oh what the possibilities are just in life, You are speaking business. my language right now. Like, absolutely, you have to get better every day. It's a compounding effect. And if you're not investing in yourself, if you're, I mean, I, I do this thing, 5 a.m. call, and uh, I say on every single call when I get the chance to moderate, uh, you have got to be selfish in your morning routine so that you can be selfless with the rest of your day. So it's and there's funny. no chance of being selfless unless it's, you it's have some selfishness. because I have periodically, when, when the call started, the West Coast version of it, and I'm going, yeah. by 8 a.m., I'm on to like 16 other things. Yes. Yeah. But then also by 5 a.m., a lot of what has changed in my personal schedule is that the, the, um, my health club opens at 5.30. So usually I'm trying to aim to get there by 5.30. And one of the things that I do in the morning. Are you Peloton or something? Or, or no, no. So I, I do own a Peloton. I bought a Peloton okay. last year. <laughs> That's the big crazy I bought year. a Peloton last year. And I will tell you, it is one of the best things that I have I've purchased. been to the studio in the city. Yes, yeah, That's so a lot of fun. I have not been to the studio in the city because I have a bike at home. And so, yeah. And I can get to Soul Cycle. I was having this conversation. I went to Soul Cycle this morning, 7 a.m. here in Vegas. Um, I can get to Soul Cycle and my health club faster than I can get to Peloton. And I'm like, why would I do that? I've got to go. I've got to shower. I've got to carry clothes. But in the morning, I like to meditate first thing in the morning. Yeah. I don't like to look at my phone or deal with electronics yeah. necessarily if I can avoid it. And part of what happens when you're involved with like, a, business, because all of our clients, they're roaming all over the place, all over the world. Certainly if you're in New York City. I mean, yeah, you're in New York City. Yeah. So there's, there's issue number one. Issue number two, being involved with this international organization, the committee that I am currently effectively running at the international you, level. You're talking 60 different time zones. There's is, not even 60 so here, different time zones, but lots of time zones. At one point last year, we had someone in um, Andorra, and we had three other people on the committee in Asia, not even in the same time zone in Asia, and then me in New York. So I always wow. got the short end of the stick. Now I'm the one theoretically in charge. I still have those same three people, and then I have someone in, in Mexico. So, and the world president, he's from Lebanon, but he's always traveling somewhere else. So your my mornings can be really, really out of whack. So whenever possible, I try to not engage with my phone or email until after I get back from the gym, which is why I don't do the 5 a.m. call because that I makes, try. Listen, you, I think yeah. you've got enough on your plate. No, but, right? but it's, like, it's, it's the fascinating thing if you can kind of protect that time and set your whatever your routine yes. is. It's really, really magical. The days that I can't do it because I've got a conference call at 2 a.m., 
I am so miserable the rest of the day because it's thrown me off. You didn't have your time. I didn't have my time to fill your tank and then go impact other people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. It's, it's so important. So I know we don't have enough time on this podcast, but I'm really thankful you like kind of brought me up to speed on a little bit of this. I want to dig in more. I am going to spend the time digging in more, but let's shift gears here. We, sure. we are in Vegas, both for the same reason at Inman connect here in 2019. Talk to me a little bit about what being an Inman ambassador has meant. Uh, it seems like you've been pretty tied into this whole Inman thing for quite some time. So just talk sure. to me about Inman in general for a little bit in, in general. So, um, I'm trying to, I don't even remember at this point when my first time coming to an Inman Connect was. Um, They're better in New York City because I can drive there and you can was, just it, get yes. dropped off. Yeah, I love, I, I hate Times Square. So my favorite, <laughs> two of my favorite Inman Connects in New York were the years that they were at Grand Central. Oh, see, that that was before my Inman yes, days for sure. Yes, it was uh, 2000, maybe 2012 and 2000. 11 and 12 or 12 and 13, maybe. But it was somewhere in that avenue, and they were at Grand Central. And I was so happy because I'm also an East Sider, so I don't, I don't like Times Square, and I don't like having to take a lot of trains, so I could get on one train, and I was there. I was so, so happy. Um, but now there's uh, the Second Avenue subway, and I can get to Times Square in a nanosecond. And um, when I went to Connect, I was trying to find sort of new energy and new ideas. And I had been sort of observing and reading online about things that people were doing in other markets, and I thought it would be an interesting sort of experiment to go and engage. And I have made amazing friends. I am actually at the company that I'm at now because of someone that I met at an Inman Connect who ended up being the introduction to the conversation. Um, and when the ambassador program started was back when Katie Lance was at Inman. Shout out to and Katie Lance, by the way, if, if you're not following Katie and you want to up your social game, check, you need check to follow Katie, Katie. Absolutely. You know, check out her book, get social smart, yes. all that fun stuff. And they even have, did you see the Inman books, um, little area downstairs? I didn't see that. So yet, they actually no. have like books that are available with some of the people that are Katie's speaking. Katie's one of them. Katie's is one of Good. them and Joe Rand and all these other famous, yeah. great people and i don't say that because i like them i say that because i think they're great people and they're really smart katie's they, one of the good people in this she's industry. one of the good people in this yeah. industry and this industry actually has a lot more good well, people yeah. than bad 100 um so that's how i got plugged into it and i think the first time they did the ambassadors was not at the new york event but then when they did it in new york i've been an ambassador almost ever since so so it's been to you. It's been about the connection. It's with been about people. it's been about the connection with people. It's been the opportunity. I've been able to speak. I've been able to write. I don't write as much as I should because I have too many other things going on. But I did speak to them about maybe I should write a book someday. Like, and I've wanted to do that for a really long time. Listen, so I think bucket list. I think after twenty twenty, you're gonna have um, enough material for a book just based on twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So my 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 year is uh, spring 2020 to spring 2021, and then when you're immediate past president, you still remain very engaged and involved. So basically, after like I think it's like 2022 or 2023. I actually thought about this the other day. When does that point in time come where I am less engaged because I'm no longer an immediate past president, or I'm not chairing a committee? 
that comes with being a past president. So it's a couple of years out, but I am anxiously looking forward to it. You haven't even done it. She's looking forward to it. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the down to the downtime. But I think that one of the amazing things about Inman is the potential for connections because I'm not a member of NAR. I until Chicago actually was the very first time I went to an NAR conference. Mm-hmm. And I was only there for a nanosecond. Um, so there aren't a lot of these opportunities that I would necessarily get to interact with so many layers of the industry, you know, to have the people who are the marketers, to have the agents who are boots yeah. on the ground and the technology. And now there's like the prop tech segment. It, these that's are all what's cool about this one. That's right? what's cool about this one. I'm super stoked about that. There's a great, and I actually have to tell you about this. Um, MIPM. Have you been to MIPM in Mm-mm. Cannes, France? So it's one no. of the biggest property expos like in the world. I've learned more in the last 20 minutes than at any and, point this year. And it, as one of the best benefits of the FIOPSI membership is that your MIPM um, registration is 50% off. Okay. But anyway. MIPM has also started doing a prop tech event that's in New York that you can come and take the train down to. I feel like I just signed up for two things without even taking yes. So yeah, trust me. Now I'll be texting you saying, "Hey, here you go." Um, But that's fascinating. But the people, the people really make the conference and the opportunity for me to interact with so many different layers is kind of priceless. And over the course of time, you get to go deeper in these relationships. Like people joke they're like oh i can't believe you go to soul cycle at like you know 7 a.m while you're at a conference we had we were having an amazing intense discussion about the industry sitting in an uber it was heading back to the hotel um it was some people from car um and uh, oh i forgot her i remember her name madeline she's from colorado and i can't remember the company she's with now but she was previously at zillow and, and and trulia but these relationships that you yeah. can build with people that then continue beyond the conference, people will pop into New York because not a lot of people come and always visit New York because it's expensive, you know. I, and I get that. But everybody ends up in New York at some point. At some point. At some point. But the best thing is, not everybody that ends up in Connecticut. But in they always Connecticut. end up in New York. But New York, you know, you can tell them it's a quick train ride up. It is. They will say, "Hey, I'm coming to town. Do you have time for a drink? Do you have time for dinner?" And then being able to continue those conversations yeah. can make an impact on your business beyond the conversations and the content. So that's really, you know, take that opportunity, whether it's Inman or I know there are different coaching companies and I used to go to some of those things too. And just finding that avenue can be really, really remarkable and have impact and just like great friends. I agree. Amazing people. When my, when my mother passed away last year, just like the people that were so, in tuned or saying, you know, how are you doing? You know, what can I do? Or when she was sick, like those, those real genuine friendships, that's a really, really special thing. So however you can build those, just do it. I, I, yeah, I don't know about you, but when I leave these types of events where you have those special connections and you spend a 48 hour burst of time with these people, like I, I leave and I come home like jumping around my wife's like all right all right you know go go sit down for a little bit sit down like, for a little bit <laughs> cause I, like i have so much energy and i want to like do so much because of that impact that other people have made on me in the last 48 72 hours yeah or in the case of five days is a really long time to five be in las vegas long, yeah and ex- especially here in las vegas yeah. i don't think i've ever been to vegas for more than 
48 Yeah, I've hours never done more than four hours. Yeah. Maybe, maybe two, days. two and a half days. Yeah. Including travel time. So this is, yeah. I am approximately, I'm just over 24 hours in. And I'm still in a good mood. So this is remarkable. You haven't lost all that sleep yet. No, not yet. Although my dad That's is tonight. with me and uh, we had to go out for another two hours yesterday to kind of wander and gamble. <laughs> well, there's a bash tonight. Are you, uh, are you staying up? Is that Thursday? IDX bash? No, the innovator oh. bash is uh, Thursday. Oh, yeah. yes. There's that too. Oh, God. Jeez. Oh, I just, just I totally just, ruined, ruined the night. No, I totally, <laughs> I totally remember that there's too many things. There's, there's a lot too of many stuff. things. But there's also, you know, I'm not afraid to sort of draw a line in the sand and say, okay, do you know what? That's it. I'm Can't done. Do I need yeah. to sleep. I also have Soul Cycle tomorrow at 7 a.m. and I'm not losing my, you know, four Yeah, I'm, I'm going to the gym here in the Aria again at 5 a.m. Ooh, it's gorgeous, by the way, Aria. Great job on the, on the fitness Do they center. have Pelotons here? They had a lot of bikes. I did not see a Peloton, no. Okay. They don't, I'm, I'm next door at the Waldorf and they don't have no. them there either. But Soul Cycle is, and I, I would never have come to the Soul Cycle because um, I don't like Vegas, so I don't necessarily choose to come here. I was so glad that I went and like checked out the new, the new studio. It was fun. So Nikki, this has been so much fun. You've got what? Almost 20 years experience in the industry, basically. Right. Before we wrap this thing up, I want your quick take on this disruption in real estate talk, whether, you know, you bucket Zillow into there, you bucket today's news, Amazon partnering with Realogy to generate leads, uh, for the real open doors, agents. the iBuyers, everything. All this kind of stuff. Lump it all together, disruptors. What's your hot take on that? My hot take on it remains that if you know your value and the value that you bring to your clients in the course of the transaction and you have the expertise, I don't think you have anything to be afraid of. Boom. No fear from Nikki. Nikki, I, where, where are people going to find, cause we're going to link them up in YouTube. Again, if you're listening to this, if you're on Facebook, whatever, go over to YouTube and, and check out the description. Cause we're going to link up the article that Bernice wrote. Um, we're also going to link up where people can find you. I know you're so busy that you might not want to be found, but people want to follow you. They want to see what you're retweeting, what you're talking like Twitter, about. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Ironically, when I was trying to find you, the people I couldn't necessarily get away from were my website people because I've been, I, they helped me redesign my website and then I've been just between work and like personal stuff with my mother, I haven't like launched it. And so they were like, you know, it's time like, oh, you know what? Now we need, we need to like revisit and make sure we don't have to tweak anything. Um, but if you Google me, I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah. You're all over the industry, Nikki. This has been an absolute This has been pleasure. fun. What a, what a really great way to actually meet face to face. I agree. In person. I No, because listen, we would have had this same exact conversation, whether it was getting a coffee at Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. We just now have the benefit of sharing this probably on Inman with a whole bunch of people, um, whether they're new agents or been in the industry for a long time that can take something from this. There's going to be a whole bunch of people that are like, I've never even heard of this organization. She's going to be the president. It's bigger than NAR. Like, 
people's yeah, it's, minds it, yeah, are going like, to be blown from a, from a from a membership perspective. But it's like think I think what happens is that we get so stuck Bigger in our boxes. And, we get yeah. stuck in our boxes, and we don't look outside of the box for ideas for inspiration i mean you know inman is a great source but there are so many other things like i love reading harvard you probably know this about me i love the harvard business review it's one of my favorite things on the planet to read or like the ted app on my phone yeah that is like the best thing to have on your phone you're standing at you're walking on the treadmill just like listen to listen to a ted talk yeah Audiobook, TED Talk, Audiobook, all that TED stuff. Talk, all of these things. We have these things in the palms of our hands. We're so fortunate from yeah. that perspective. Nikki, this has been a pleasure when you do write that book. I'm going to have you back on the podcast. There will be a much bigger audience by then, too. So so when you're so promoting that we're, book. We're promoting the book. Yeah. yeah, we'll do it right here on the podcast, Nikki. Yeah. Can't wait so see, much fun. Can't wait to see your journey. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for watching the video all the way to the end. I really appreciate all your engagement, all your comments, and if you like this content, if you want to see more, please, I've got two videos linked up here, or hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a video again.